Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Take your Bibles, turn to John 4. Appreciate our worship team. Thank you so much. I have a powerful word tonight. See, you always say that. I know. Because God's word is powerful. John 4, starting verse 37. Notes being passed out now. Greetings once again all around the world, potentially uh, in Dillingham, in Hawaii. Greetings in California and Florida. Greetings all across this great nation of ours. Brace yourself, fasten your seat belt high and tight. Put your trays in the upright lock position. So let's do it. Let's go. John 4, verse 27 to 38, notes being passed out now. Jeff said his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples argued, pardon me, urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I want you to read this, it's in red. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. I want you to say that. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe with the harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Father, thank you so much for what you're going to do. Move in power in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we do have notes for you. I'm always amazed at how people drive, the distances they come, how they take time away from their busy schedule to drive in from Anchorage to, to come from Willow. We've got people that drive from all over the valley. There's people that have come because they heard at ETS, do whatever you can to do to get here, and they've come and they've arrived and you're here, whether you be online or you're here in the sanctuary, I want you to lift your hands all across this place and give your greatest praise to God you possibly can. Come on, give them praise in the house of God. Oh, come on, give them praise in the house of God. What has he done for you? What is he doing? He's amazing. He's on the throne. He's defeated hell, death, and the grave. There's no one like you, God, and we love you. We bless you. We worship you. Move in power right now. Somebody said, well, pastor, the reason I drive so far is because the church that's alive is worth the drive. So I commend you for your hunger that you've come from all over to be on and be with us tonight. 14 years, uh, we'll celebrate this Sunday, 
My wife and I have been here for 14 years. 14 years ago, we arrived, and uh, two little babies that now I have Daniel, who turns 18 tomorrow, and, uh, and Hannah, who's graduating from university this year. I'm like a high school graduate and then a college graduate all in the same year. And God has done so many incredible things that it is uh, hard to keep track of it all. When we got here, well, let me back up and say, the church prior to us getting here had gone through many seasons. I was birthed with great vision from a, a friend of ours, Pastor Ken Gable, and many of you know him. He was a life group leader, uh, led a small group in the islands, and uh, his life group was the first life group I ever went to. I was one of those nightmare type people that would come to a small group and question everything. How do you know that's God's word? Can you prove it to me it's God's word? I'm not sure about that. I'm just constantly like, you know, I, don't, I know you guys probably don't know, but maybe you do. If you ever go into a group and there's that one person that's constantly causing problems, you're just like, shut up. I know you never thought that, but I'm not as holy as you back then. So amazingly to me, God called him to come to Alaska. He was from Alaska, and I knew that. And um, We had a, an Alaska prayer meeting, just like we have Amsterdam and Indonesia signs in the back. There's a prayer meeting from uh, 8.30 to 8.45. That's how Alaska started. We didn't have a church here. We prayed, and God gave us one. Can you say amen? amen. Would you do me a favor? I think my settings are turning my, my iPad off, and that would be bad. So the church here was praying. I mean, literally, to have prayer meetings, you could interview some of the folks that were here back then, and they're praying, oh, God, send us another pastor. The pastor was here, but he had a desire to go church plant, and that was really his gift. So that, that would be like never turn off mode. Yeah, thanks. You know how it, like, it goes, you know, turn off in two minutes. Yeah, do, do always on. Okay, so... So they prayed, you know, send us a pastor, send us a pastor, send us a pastor so that Pastor Ken could go do church planting around Alaska with uh, like an apostolic church plant. He had an airplane, his pilot, and, uh, and so that was the plan. Things changed. We went through many seasons. When I remember when we first got here, I was astounded at what began to happen. The church began to grow rather quickly, and we went through lots of changes. How many of you know churches go through seasons, go through changes? The truth is, some of those changes were so difficult that had I known the level of difficulty, I probably would have, you know, not obeyed. Again, you're holier than perhaps I, I, I was back then. I just, you know, we went, really went through some things. Yeah, no, just so it's always on. It's okay if it rotates. All right. Thanks. You're awesome. Put your hands together for Minister David. <laughs> Youth on Friday night, you don't want to miss that. And let me also tell you that Friday night... Friday night, God's going to peel the paint off this place. You don't want to miss it. I'll be preaching again. It's going to be great. God gave us a vision. That's why we came here all these 14 years ago. I didn't need a job. I'm not here for a job. God gave us a vision to come here. And I was minding my own business on a run, about 80 pounds overweight. And uh, I, the heavens basically opened. I saw this motion picture, and I saw the pipeline from the North Slope to Valdez, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm releasing the golden oil of Zechariah through a pipeline of revival. I want, and I'm paraphrasing, I want you to be a part of it. I'm sending you to Alaska. Many different confirmations, but I saw it, and I saw a school of ministry, and we have that school of ministry today. 
35 plus people. It'll be, it'll be 100 here probably next year. And uh, we're looking for a house so that we can have dorms and all of that. We're working on all of that. It's amazing. God bless the Haggerty's who lead that for us here. You can register and be a part of January. Is that right? All right, you can register online for that. So I saw this school, and, and I just saw the fire of the Holy Spirit all over it. God gave me vision. He opened my eyes to what he wanted to do, and so we came. My wife had her own experiences, and we came. We arrived here. It was 10 below zero or 10 above. Pastor Karen and I can't, can't come to a decision of which one it was. I say it's 10 below. She said it's 10 above. The truth is, when you come from the Hawaiian Islands, it doesn't matter, how, it doesn't matter if it was 10 below or 10 above. Might as well have been 50 below. You can't better have a word from God. You leave the garden aisle and come to Alaska. Now, I'm just telling you, I'm so glad that God brought me here. It's a promised land. It's amazing what God is doing. How many of you are grateful for the great state of Alaska? Hallelujah. It's great because God makes it great. And we're just so glad to be here. Vision was the key for coming here. Vision is the key for us coming here. I didn't come here for, for a job. I didn't come here to work on my resume and get a little stepping stone. I didn't come here for any other reason than to fulfill what God told me to do, what God told us to do as a family. And it was very much missionary-like when we got here. And we could tell you many stories about that. God has given us a vision for this state. God has given us a vision for the nation. God has given us a vision for the world, hence Amsterdam and Indonesia. God has given us a vision. Not just Kings, Alaska, Kings Cathedral and Chapels worldwide, 336 different churches all over the world. We will plant churches. We will reach the lost. Say not four more months. The fields are white with harvest. So I want to talk to you from this text about vision and about having God's God opening your eyes. You know, a lot of people say they have, a, have a, a dream from God. And I will tell you that every single person here with a heartbeat, everybody breathing, God has a plan for you. He has a hope for you. He has a dream for you. And he wants you to fulfill it. But it's not like a genie in a lamp, you know, that just you rub that thing and it comes out and then bam, you get your dream. That's not how it works with God. He wants to co-labor with you. So the truth is he gives you a dream, but if you're not willing to co-labor with him. That's not a dream. It's actually a fantasy. The difference between a dream and a fantasy is that you actually get involved in it. You work, you do everything you can. Many people will not fulfill the dream that God has for them because they're not willing to co-labor. Now I'm so glad that I wake up one day and bam, it's something's happened or the sovereign move of God. And there's a provision. There's the thing. But many times we don't understand that it's our sowing, our, our, our seed sowing, our believing, our praying, our contending. Minister Jan shared a word about contending in prayer. Some of you don't understand that we've had a morning prayer meeting contending for the harvest for the 21 years that we've been at church. Every morning. Every morning, yeah, every morning. I don't mean just like a Friday. I mean, thank God for a Friday night prayer. Thank God for an all-night prayer meeting. I'm talking 21 years of nearly seven days a week, and there's some seasons where it backed off and different things. You know, there were seasons where it was me and Minister Micah and, and, uh, and Timothy Capo, who we used to call Shane. He was the sound guy, and he would come. We thought about putting on, you know... <laughs> It was on a, what did we do? We'd do stream, some early streaming. This is like 12 years ago. We did Skype for a while. We did U, Ustream. Do you remember that? It might still be around. And, and we would have a camera. We were streaming before streaming was cool. 
And we would, I, w- I would lead for a while and then, okay, let's pray for the harvest. And I'd, I'd hand the mic to Minister Micah and he would pray. And then, and then, and then Pastor then Shane would come and take the mic and he would pray for provision. And then it would be my turn, you know, and then all three of us made it look like there was 30 people here. We thought about wearing disguises. So they thought <laughs> you'd put a hat on and be like, make it look like there's a hundred people in prayer. Now, actually this morning, I don't know what the count was, but I mean, there's 50, 60, there's been as many as 80 people here in morning prayer. I'm just telling you, if when God gives you a dream, there's things that you do to actually see it come to pass. Otherwise, it's not a dream. It's a fantasy. We've had people mock us for our building. I could care less. It's actually encouraging. If it was easy, everybody would do it. God's going to do a great thing. The truth is, I don't even think we were his first choice. I don't think we were even his second choice. I think he went down the line. He just looked for a people who were crazy enough to jump off a cliff to do something because there are thousands, please hear me, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that will flood this place in the coming years. And when I say this place, I mean kings. And there's other great churches. I'm certainly not knocking them, but I'm not going to miss what God called us to do when it required. God has opened my eyes as he opened yours. I'm done with smooth, you know, smooth knees and apathetic heart visionless preaching and teaching. I'm not going to do it. Refuse to do it. To fulfill your dream that God has given you, it's going to take you everything you have to do it. So I don't, I, 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 I don't like the way that sounds. I know. I know. Everybody wants the results of, you know, living a great dream. Nobody wants to pay the price. There's a price to pay. I said there's a price to pay. The key to this passage as we get into it here, and we do have notes, is verse 35. New International Version. He says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, says Jesus, open your eyes. Open your eyes. Make it personal. Open my eyes. Open my eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Everything takes vision. Without vision, my people perish. Wonderful teaching again, Pastor Karen, on the hundredfold and sowing in a time of famine or COVID. Prospered, prospered, prospered. He had, he had a vision. He believed. Vision is tied to faith. If you can see it, says the Korean pastor, Dr. Yonggi Cho, who's transferred leadership of his church now, and I guess there's some controversy, but I'm sure wouldn't the devil want to just make it look ugly on a man who built a one over one million member church? Don't you think the enemy's trying to smear him? Sure, of course he is, and his son and all that. Well, I don't know, but I do know that it requires vision. He calls it the fourth dimension. There's a great book called The Fourth Dimension. You should read it. All business people, all, all people that want to do anything supernaturally for God, go read Dr. Yonggi Cho's book on the fourth dimension. It's all about vision. I remember, I've fished for years and uh, here in Alaska, and uh, I've not been a real good fisherman. But somehow, the Lord helped us over the past couple of years, but we did really good this year. There is something about fishing a river. I remember going down with, with different people trying to help me and fish, and come on, Pastor, you can do it, you know, and it was just like I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure it out. The 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 the, the you know the Russian River Shuffle or whatever you want to call it. The 
the, the, the keen eye shuffle. And, uh, you know, you, you got to throw it out at 2 o'clock and pull it through at 10. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, the weight's got to be in the right place. The leader has to be the right length. You, have, you, you know, turn your hook. You got to do some stuff to make it work. It took us a little while to figure out. And so I would catch a fish every so often. Now, now I can catch fish. But I will tell you something that was, that was really helped us. So I got a pair of Polaroid glasses. And when I could polarize... Polaroid glasses, that'd be something. Polarized, polarized glasses. <laughs> and, and I can see the fish. When you can see the fish, oh, it's so encouraging. I, I don't know if you've ever fished. You fish a hole, you fish a hole. You're like, they're not biting. And then if you put a pair of polarized glasses on and you see that fish behind that rock, it's so much more motivating. You just like, there it is. You're dragging it across his head. You're like, bite it, bite it. You know, snag it in the mouth, snag it in the mouth. And you get bored and snag it in the dorsal fin and have a good one. Then you have to release it. You know, I, I know again, you guys are holy and you would never do anything like that. And those of you that don't know what I'm talking about have never fished in Alaska. It was quite a thing to be able to see the fish. If you can't see, you're not going to catch vision. If you can't see, you'll be blind. Ecclesiastes says, when a tree falls, there it lies. If you can't see, <laughs> that's a real scripture. If you can't see, you're blind. All right, let's look at this text. It really is the key. The key to the text is vision, verse 35. All right, this, this text, we, we started in the middle. I don't, there's so much in it. Uh, but to truly understand what's happening, you have to go back to the first verses, really, of John 4 and to understand the context. And so I just want to touch on that for a moment. Uh, John 4, 4 said that Jesus had to go to Samaria. Now, when we read that as Gentiles, most of us, as those who maybe are not uh, understanding what Samaria means, Samaria was a place that Jews would never go to. They hated Samaritans. Yeah, somebody said, we want to be just like a first century church. They had prejudice in the first century church too. And so these Samaritans, they were considered half-breeds. And to understand where they came from, when uh, during the diaspora, basically what the enemies of God's people would do is they would take away, they took away the, uh, the, the tribes of the north and they would, replant, they would plant people from other nations in the land. And in Samaria, what most people don't know is that lions began to kill those that they brought into Samaria. And so they thought, you know what, the reasons the lions are killing all the people of Samaria is they're not worshiping the God of the land. So they have to they tell them to worship the, the God of you know, the Jews. And so they began to do that, and that started this mixture. Lions stopped eating them, but they had this jacked-up religion that wasn't really Judaism. It was this mixture. And then people like Sanballat and different ones that gave Nehemiah a hard time. And there was, there was different things that happened from Samaria that made people hate Samaria. So literally, they would have to go all the way around instead of go through it. And Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to have to go to Samaria. Now, that is profound. I like the way the King James says it. I must needs go. I must needs go to Samaria. 
And he's basically saying, I have an appointment in Samaria. I've got something to do in Samaria. I want to say this to you prophetically, and I've said it many times. I've preached from this text probably 50 times. I want to tell you that God is coming to the Samarias of our world. God is coming to the Samarias of your life. God is coming to the places where nobody can touch it, where you think it's impossible, where it's hopeless, where, it's, where there's prejudice, where there's difficulty. God is coming to the Samarias of the United States of America. God is coming to the inner cities. God is coming to break this thing by the power of his name, the power of his word. He's coming to break it by the power of the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. He's looking for somebody to go there. He's looking for somebody filled with Jesus to go. Jesus goes and, and has this divine appointment. I'm telling you, there are people all around us that are longing for a divine appointment. They're waiting for somebody that's got a heart and a burden for Samaria, waiting for, waiting for somebody who's got a heart and a burden to help them. All around you, every single day, there's divine appointments. Like I've had many. Some of the great divine appointments I've had. I remember witnessing, uh, going door to door, witnessing and we've done that, and we'll do it again here, but going door-to-door witnessing, and we had this script. We still have it. And uh, it's a very simple script that if you get read it to somebody, basically it's like 80% closing rate where people pray and receive Jesus. It's, it's really amazing. We'll have to get, make sure that those are out at the, uh, at the next steps desk. And so we're going door to door, reading the script to people. The power of God is resting on me. And I, I don't know if you understand what that means. I, I feel like I'm walking three feet off the ground. And every door I come to, it seems that they're just getting saved. I'm praying for them. They're getting touched. I, I walk to, it's my last door. I walk there. I feel like a wind of the spirit, zero exaggeration. This is my experience before God. I knock on the door. And like the door seems to open as I'm about to knock. And there's this lady and she's weeping. And what comes out of my mouth is, God has brought me to your house. And she says, I know, I know, come in. And I walk in, I feel like I'm Jesus. I mean, I, I'm serious. I feel, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm walking on a cloud. I walk in, ladies weeping, the, the aunties are weeping, the kids, she says, everybody come here. He's here. He's got something to tell us. I mean, that's all I said. God brought me to your house. She gathers the entire family, all the kids. They have to turn off the video games to bring everybody in. For the, I mean, it's like 100 people show up in a two-bedroom apartment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? They just come out of everywhere. All of a sudden, there's this crowd, and everybody's looking, and, and the mom's crying, and the auntie's crying. And I just full on went for it. I said, God has sent me to your house to tell you about the love of God. And I preached to them and they all received Jesus, every single one. And they came to church that night. It was a midweek service. They came to church that night. And I wasn't the only one that was out. That week we led 13,000 people to Christ. I said, you heard me right. I said 13,000. There was hundreds of workers that went out in a, in a population base of about 100,000. 13,000 people received Jesus. I'm telling you, you've got to have a vision for it and you believe that there's divine appointments. I was working a tree lot, divine appointments. Jesus has divine uh, tree lot. I'll tell you about it in a second. Jesus has divine appointments for you. Come on, say that. Say, raise your right hand and say, Jesus has got divine appointments for me. Everywhere you go, look for him tomorrow. 
Look for him the next day. Pray. Divine appointments. If it wasn't for divine appointments, we wouldn't even be here. Dr. Morocco meeting a man, happening to shake, shake hands with him, talking with him, happens to be the president of a large bank that later says, hey, if you ever need help, call us. We got to a place where we needed help. We called him. We were able to buy a $21 million facility with zero money down that then turned into a $40 million facility that we then sold off a portion of it and owned it debt-free. Come on, somebody say amen. All from a divine appointment. Some of you don't get it. Some of your eyes are shut. Some of you don't have vision. God can bless you. God can give you a new job. God can prosper you. God can bless you. God can heal your marriage. Save your uncle. Save your brother. Save your sister. Come on, somebody say amen. Is that a tree lot? Christmas trees. We would sell these Christmas trees, and I have to back up just a little bit. Prior to getting saved, I was divorced and had two kids, two daughters. I lived in Northern California, and I have yet to be restored to them, but one day that'll take place. Can you say amen? I was in the process of praying and believing for that, as I have all these years, and will continue to pray until it happens. So I'm at this tree lot selling Christmas trees for the church. And this guy comes in and he's looking at trees. And I start talking to him and I say, hey, uh, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? Has anybody ever told you about the love of God? And he says, yeah. Well, I wasn't convinced. He just, you know, so I witnessed to him, told him about the love of the Lord. And he says, oh, no, no, I'm saved. I said, okay. How many of some people don't act saved? Okay. So, I mean, if you're miserable. I mean, you know, there are times of misery. Weeping endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Anyway, I wasn't sure. I invited him to the singing Christmas tree or whatever we were doing that year. And I gave him this ticket and he says, Hey, thanks. And so, you know, I don't know if he's going to come. He says he's from California. He leaves. Later that night, we're at the birthday of the king or whatever it was, some big production that we're doing. By the way, we will get back to big productions. We're going to do big productions in our new building. The, the whole thing is being set up for that. Lighting, everything. We'll get back to our large-scale productions as soon as we have space. And so I'm saying goodbye to people at the door. Thank you for coming. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And then here's this guy with his wife and one of his children. And uh, Pastor Karen was with me. And I said, hey, hey, meet this guy. These guys are from California. This is my wife. Oh, and they're talking. Oh, hi. And uh, I said, so, whereabouts in California? They said, oh, Northern California. I said, oh, no kidding. Whereabouts in Northern California? Now, that's where my, my, my daughters were. Uh, oh, um, Grass Valley area. And I thought, because that's where my daughters are from. I thought, no way. They said, yeah. I said, where in Grass Valley? And she says, well, actually, you probably never heard of it because it's a really small town called Penn Valley. I said, um, wow, because Penn, my, and we were in shock. Because, I mean, the odds of, you got to know the Penn Valley population's like, I don't know, a couple hundred. I said, Penn Valley? I've got two daughters that live in, I didn't even get to finish the sentence. And the lady says, oh, my God. I said, amen. <laughs> she says, you're him. You're him. It's Victoria's Victoria's that's your, that's your father. And they're like, What? That you're you're the father of Victoria and Juliet. I said, Yeah, I am. And I said, Oh my God, this is amazing. I said, I know, it's amazing. They said, Oh wow, we've heard about you. I thought, awesome. Can you tell them I'm cool? Can you tell them? 
their, their daughter and, and those two girls were best friends. But they had just had a, recently had a falling apart, if I remember the story correctly. What are you saying? Listen, that didn't happen because I'm Pastor Daniel. I was a life group leader. I'm just a believer. So are you. But if you'll position yourself, if you'll be willing to go to Samaria, if you'll just be willing to serve, you'll be willing to do something, I'm telling you, God can give you divine appointments and change everything. Oh, you missed a great place to say hallelujah. Jesus reveals himself here in verse 26, and it is a divine appointment. He reveals himself to her. He says, I'm the Christ. I mean, they go through this whole thing, and, and please read it. She's basically a, what is the correct word that you want me to use, Pastor Karen? She was a woman that needed healing. And she tried to find it in many beds. Try, try, try as you might. You will never get healed that way. And everybody said, amen. So, she was a woman of ill repute. We could say it that way. I was going to use words like hoe, prostitutes, I don't understand. So, woman of ill repute. Hey, there's men hoes too, isn't that right? Come on, let's have a praise break. I'm not feeling the love. Ready, set, go. Okay. And so, listen, the, she comes in the heat of the day. <laughs> That's not when you got water. And it's a picture when she comes in the heat of the day, when Jesus comes, you go, look at the text. It's because she can't come with all the other wives. Can't come. She's like, they don't exactly like her. Five times she's been with someone who wasn't their, her husband. And so though everybody knows her, and so he, she comes at the heat of the day when you don't go and get water and has a divine appointment with Jesus. Jesus reveals himself to, the, to her right there in your text. He takes time to talk to her. You know, that's such a profound thought. You know, people need to tell their story. You know, we need to spend time talking to people. You don't just take a script and just rip somebody and just try to go for it and get them saved and then leave them. You, you develop relationship is really the key. It's key, I, and I believe that. I really do. I thank God for scripts and thank God for somebody who threw a track at me or wore a shirt. I mean, I'm thankful for that, but what, what people really need is they really need somebody to spend time with them. They answer the hard question, okay, okay, okay. So if, if God's really real, then why did my baby die? So I want you to answer that question for me, and then I'll hear what you have to say about Jesus. If God's really real, why did my mom leave me, my dad leave me? If God's really real, how come I, don't, how come I haven't had my, my, my girls restored yet? If God's really, because there's a real devil too, if I could just answer that for you. God is good, devil bad. We don't understand all of these things. I don't understand why we've seen stage four cancers healed here, blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, and then other people, you know, die in a car crash serving God with all their heart. You know, I don't understand all of that. And I've, I've done trying to figure it out. All I know is that the Lord is great. 
and he's greatly to be praised, and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to do my best to live for him. He's, it's, somebody said, well, he doesn't. It's too late to try to convince me of that. I was lost. I was broken. I was bound. I was addicted. I was blind, but now I see. Ah! Anybody else been set free? Has there anybody been set free? Come on, just give them a, pra- a praise right now. I've been delivered. I've been healed. I don't have any bitterness in my soul. I don't have any unforgiveness within me. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. She becomes an evangelist, which is amazing. This unhealed woman becomes an evangelist to the whole town. It doesn't exactly fit with some paradigms. Goes to the town and, and, and tells everybody, what do you want? Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Come and see him. Everybody say, come and see. It's a great way to invite people to this church. I don't go to church. I've been to church. I'm, oh, no, well, come and, come and see this one. What do you mean? Just come. I've said this to people. I'll give you 50 bucks if you don't feel something when you come here. And they say, seriously? I go, yeah. And they come, and they'd have to be lying to say that they didn't. It's sort of a joke. It takes the edge off of things. You can fill a church with people if you give $100 bills at the front door. That's not why you're here. You're here because Jesus is here, and he's touched you, and he's healed you, and that's what happened to this lady. Thank God for all the people that have gotten saved and healed because those are the ones that go out and just can't help but tell people, oh, man, I was so broken. You know, I was listening to somebody tell the story how they were witnessing today to someone. And they didn't have the script. They didn't have the Romans road, but they had something that God's done in their heart. They're like, you know, I don't really know, but I know God loves you and he loves me and something happened for me. You should come. Which is better than, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And he really loves you and he'll give you the abundant life. You want to go with me? Like, heck no, I got enough problems. I ain't going with you. (laughs) So she goes and becomes an evangelist, and the disciples come back, texting me in the middle of church. You ought to quit texting. You knew who I'm talking to. And it isn't Pastor Karen, because I would never do that. The disciples come back with their, I don't know, I mean, I don't, what do they have, hummus and some rice and some pita bread or something? They come back. They went to the falafel. Come back with, come on, that's ethnically right, I think. They come back with some falafel. I don't think Jesus would want to eat that either. I don't know. Come back with some ham hocks, black-eyed peas, and collard greens. Hey! <laughs> And, and it's lunch. It's lunchtime. And, and verse 32, they, you know, they, they go to offer him the falafel or whatever they have. And Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. I want you to say that. Verse 32, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Listen, let me ask you this. What sustains you? Black-eyed peas, ham hocks. And, you know, okay, food. Okay, that sustains you physically. I'm not talking about that. What sustains you spiritually? 
You see, what's profound here that if you could get a hold of this, you'll be on fire the rest of your life. How is your life, your real life, how is your spiritual life sustained? I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And he goes on to tell us that my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Let me say this to you. You can go to life groups until you look like a life group. You can sit on a pew until you you become like a pew. You could go to church every day of the week and still have no satisfaction in Christ. You can read every book on revival. You can go to all kinds of seminars. You can crisscross the world at all these amazing uh, revivals and get the fire and all of that and lose it all and feel utterly unsatisfied if you don't understand what I'm about to tell you. You must learn to do the will of God. What satisfies me is not, is not just merely reading the word, but actually doing the word. What satisfies me is not just hearing about God, but partnering with him and doing what God said I can do. What real success is, is being who God says you can be, doing what God says you can do. That's what real success is, and having what God says you can have. And if you don't learn to partner with him, then you'll just become an, an unbelieving believer. And I've said this many times before, and the church is filled with unbelieving believers. So they've received Jesus, they're born again, I'm not mocking that, that's great, but then they stay that way, and they never really take steps of faith, they never maybe tithe, they never give a gigantic offering like those blessed people do. That wasn't like, you know, millionaires, they sacrifice to give. Watch what God does for them. And watch what God does for anybody that actually partners in the gospel, that begins to do the will of God. You begin to do the will of God, and God will satisfy you in a way that nothing else can. If you read through the the bylaws of the kingdom, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, that's the Sermon on the Mount, you will find a vibrancy of heart and a fire stir within you. But if you don't learn to turn the other cheek, and you don't learn to sacrifice, and you don't learn to pray, and you don't learn to be meek, You don't learn to forgive, then you'll never have that vibrancy of heart. Come on, these signs follow. Am I yelling? Doing the will of God. Doing the stuff. Acts 1. Luke wrote, Dear Theophilus, how I taught you and told you about Jesus and all he began to both do and teach. And if all you do is hear the word, and you'll just be a religious person. I'm going to tell you, America's got enough of that. We need people that are going to do the word. She goes out there, and she, she does it, and he is doing the will of the Father. If you don't have a desire to do God's will, you're spiritually dead. Want to tweet something? Tweet that. You don't have a desire to do God's will, then you're dead spiritually. Well, what if I don't have a desire? You're dead. So you need to get revived. We have CPR, people trained here, spiritual CPR technicians here. Going to lay the two paddles on you. Bring that heartbeat. Hey, whoa. Then you learn to start doing the stuff. James talks about those who are just hearers and not doers. You've got to be a doer of the word. And, and Jesus is saying, my will, I, I'm satisfied. The, the satisfaction, the, fill, the, the, full, the filling, the food that I get is to do the will of God. And I'm just going to tell you, if you don't learn to partner, to do something, to get involved in the harvest, you will never, ever be satisfied.
and you'll run off to the next religious thing and the next one. Satisfaction and fulfillment never comes by watching and hearing. Satisfaction and fulfillment never come by watching and hearing. They always come by watching, hearing, and doing. The harvest is here. I want you to say that. The harvest is here. Never before in all of the history of mankind has there been so many people in the earth. The population is greater now than it has ever been. The technology is greater now than it has ever been. And the need for people to be converted, saved, delivered is greater now than it has ever been. There is atrocities that are happening across the nation, across the nations from sex trafficking, incredible amounts of perversion and things that I would never mention from the pulpit. And you don't need to know about those in that you're to be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil because you can actually end up trying to learn about things and end up totally defiled by it, sucked in and chewed up and spit out. But what you need to do, what I need to do, what we need to do is have our eyes open to realize that Jesus came not for buildings. He came for the lost. And the greatest miracle that can ever happen is not a building of a $21 million building, which we will do. It'll be finished. It'll be shouts of grace, grace. We'll fill it with thousands of people. The greatest miracle is one soul coming to Christ. One people receive, one person receiving Jesus. And then one by one by one being converted, being transformed, being healed, being delivered. Jesus ascended and he sent the Holy Spirit to live in your heart and my heart. Why? So that you could go. That you would go. That you would go into all the world. That you would compel them by the love of God to come in. Come on, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Say, oh God, give me a burden for souls. I have a vision for the harvest. You got to know God's will. Know God's will for your life. I'm not sure. God's will is in God's word. So read God's word, know God's word. That'll release life and power to you. And it'll show you his will. Now, whether you buy the red couch or the blue couch, that's between you and God and the Holy Spirit. You're not gonna find by the red couch in the Bible. There, there are areas where you were allowed just to, you could just do what you want to. But at the same time, even then, my wife and I, and I those I teach and pastors we've raised up, you follow the peace of God. You don't violate your conscience. If you're, if you're convicted about drinking a Coca-Cola, then don't drink a Coca-Cola. And if you're not convicted about, about you know, sniffing Coke, well, then you need to read the word because that's pharmakia. And whether you're convicted or not, you need to change the way you feel because that's not right. But you're not going to find Coca-Cola in there necessarily. You need to be led by the peace. You got, you got to know God's will. Your whole life, your whole life needs to be focused on doing God's will. So well, I don't know if I like it like that. Well, then you're never going to be satisfied, and you'll be really sad when you get to heaven if you make it. Your whole life. The reason he gave you the job that you have, the reason he gave you, the, come on, the, the reason you're wired up the way that you are, come on, you're the most anointed you that there is. You gotta function in your own unction. You don't have to be like T.D. Jakes. You, come on, you gotta function in the unction that God gave you. Come on, you're, you're anointed by the fact that Jesus lives on the inside of you and if you'll partner with him and know God's will and then begin to move forward, you'll get satisfied. There's so many unsatisfied believers like Christianity's boring. What? 
What? You need to hang with John Duke for a week. Or you need come come and hang out with Minister Bowery for a little while. Come and hang out with Pastor Karen. No, don't do that. I'm the only one who gets that. Go partner with somebody that's doing something for God. You want to see miracles? You want to see power? You want to see you want to see an exciting, abundant life? Then you gotta actually get involved and start doing something. Many people don't do that. They're like, I'm living, I want to live the dream. No, you're in a fantasy. I, w- I wish I wish I could wish I could do that. Well, you don't need a wishbone. You need a backbone. You need to get to work. You need to pray. You need to believe. Minister David told me to say that last part. <laughs> the most important thing is that you, from your heart, cry out, God, show me what your will is and empower me to do it. And then put one foot in front of the other. Walking out the door. How's that go? You want to sing it? <laughs> close. It's close. I don't know. It must be getting towards Christmas. Isn't it like the abominable snowman or something? The kid that becomes a dentist? I don't want to be an elf. <laughs> I want to be a dentist. That's a perfect illustration. Some of you are settling for being an elf. No, there's, I'm not. You see. You making fun of how short I am? No, get, come on. Hey, you don't settle for an ordinary, boring life. That's not the life that God has for you. The life that God has for you is a life filled with joy and passion and fire and wholeness and healing. Not sleeping with five and six and seven and eight guys or women or whatever. That's never going to satisfy you. So I'm nervous about that. I, I know. Just stick around. You get full of the Holy Spirit, which gives you boldness. And then you begin to step out. Amazing life. All of your life should surround doing God's will. Everywhere in your life. Think of it. Jesus on a cross said it's finished. The vision that you have for your life, Lord, Open our eyes. Open our eyes, God. Open eyes now. The vision that you have for your life has got to be centered on Christ and fulfilling his will. Does that mean I need to be in full-time ministry? Absolutely not. It means you need to do what God called you and, and enable you and enable you from Brooklyn. <laughs> oh, use. He'll enable you to be a dentist. He'll enable you to be a teacher. How many of you know we need godly teachers and counselors? We need anointed politicians. Hallelujah. Lawyers, doctors, teachers, plumbers. You show up to fix a leak at the house. and There you are. Lead the family to Christ. And tell them about Jesus because you have your own plumbing company, you know, and you're not afraid about it. You're all right. With it. Fixing their heating and Working on a car, you get a chance to share the love of God with somebody. You know the reason this church is growing like it is? Is because you're you're telling people. We, we've made a whole campaign of it. We have a cards, you know, compelled by love. Write those names down. 
Don't delay your involvement in the harvest. Can you say amen? Don't delay. Don't delay. I had all kinds of excuses. I'm first coming to the church, and I was just content to go to the church, you know, back then. And um, had a cute girlfriend, Pastor Karen now. And my mom says, you need to go to a life group. I'm like, God, I don't want to go to a life group. She goes, well, you need to go. And so, I don't know, a week goes by, and mom says it again, you need to go to a life group. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to go. She says, yes, and you're living in my house. I said, you're eating the food that I'm providing for you, so you need to go to a life group, Mike. And she turned around, I'm like, ah. I went to the life group. Ken Gable's life group. Stayed there, went there. Got healed a little bit. And they said, you know, you could be a leader if you want. I thought, excuse me, <laughs> you obviously don't know my history. Listen, a lot of people take a, someone like this woman I mean, she, you want to talk about history? What are the things that she had going to history? Number one, woman. Might be cool today, not cool back then. They, didn't, they were considered chattel. They, they couldn't vote. They had no rights. She's a woman. She's not only a woman, but she was um, not real popular in town. She broke up five different marriages. I mean, she, she comes like a ball in a chain with her past around her. Like a ball in a chain, her past dragging as she comes to the well. Some of you think that you're disqualified because you're a woman, you're a man, or you're divorced, or, or uh, you were a drug addict, or you were in prison, or, or something happened to you. That doesn't disqualify you. The only thing that disqualifies you is having your sin remain because you've not believed on Jesus. And then your behavior. Yeah, you need to live righteously to be elevated and to be a leader. I'm not doing the things I used to do way back then. Now I live right. There's an imputed righteousness that comes. We talked to, listen, if you weren't here Sunday night, you need to get, get the message from Sunday night. I'm telling you, I'm telling all of you, I, 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 I command you, get the message from Sunday night. Some of you will hear it. It'll change your life. YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, podcast, it's everywhere. Oh, Father, I pray you'd help my words. God, would you help me right now? I really, I really long to see people get a hold of this. And I sometimes, God, I feel sometimes that it just falls on deaf ears. If people could just understand, Lord, would you anoint these lips of clay right now? Break off the lie break off apathy, break off the hindering assignment that would keep people from being involved in the most exciting moment in history. Break off that which tries to bind and tries to hold people back with lies of insecurity and insignificance and sin and a history. You have no history of sin when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. His blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
thus making you not a woman who needs healing, not a man who needs healing, someone who's been washed, someone who's been cleansed. Come on, a new creation in Christ, brand new, the old is gone, the new has come. And then in that moment, you need to get involved in sharing your faith with divine appointments to reach the lost and to serve and to pray because otherwise you'll get sucked back into the unhealed lifestyle. See, but I'm struggling with stuff. Welcome to the humanity, man. Answer altar calls. I think part of the reason I'm bald is I've had a lot of hands laid on me. Oh my God, he needs again. Need another touch. Need another touch. I mean, every single time. What, what do I, I think they nicknamed me the church puppy dog. I'm not sure what that means. But you know how a puppy would just follow you around? Pray for me. I think that's where they came from. Well, it's funny how the people that made fun of me are no longer serving God. I'm not saying anything about me. I'm just trying to empower you. I'm trying to charge you to tell you. Your history doesn't disqualify you. It gives you wonderful life experience that you can then be a deliverer of men and a lover of God. Don't delay in your involvement in the harvest. Look at see, open your eyes to see the harvest, verse 35. And lastly, in your notes, are you all there? Verse 36. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. Fascinating. See, if you start to study, there's actually a whole reward system that God has for those who get involved in, this, in the harvest. See, what about those who don't? Well, the Bible talks about people suffering loss. I, I don't know what that means, but I don't want to know. I'm not sure what that means. So you can be saved, get to heaven, and be like, what? what? Really? and then see somebody else rewarded. And it's not so you can run around with your new reward from Jesus and rub it in somebody's face. It's God's way of just saying, I saw when you turned the other cheek. I saw when you overcame. I know what you went through. And I just want to bless you. The streets of heaven are paved with gold. Come on, this talks about reaping rewards in eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can be glad together. There has been many that have laid down their lives to have a great harvest in this valley. I think we just happened to show up at the, I mean, we're sowing seeds, you know what I'm saying? We're praying, we're believing, but I know that the sickle has been put in our hand to reap a, reap a harvest that we really didn't have anything to do. There's generations of prayer that have gone before us. There's, there's prayer, is, prayer is eternal. You can read the book of Revelation and how it overflows out of, out of the, what is it, a cup? Revelation overflowing incense. Bull. Thanks. Bull. Got it. Incense overflowing out of a bowl. It's a picture that when, when the, the prayers and the actions of the saints of God's people get to a certain point, it begins to spill over. And then you see in the book of Revelation that answers to those prayers are peals of thunder and lightning being hurled to the earth. I'm telling you, we're right at a moment in God. If he could open your eyes tonight to get you involved in the harvest, you will experience the most thrilling life 
it truly is life and life to the full. So I, I, I don't know how to get involved. I knew you were going to say that. That's why in the seat pocket in front of you right now, there's a card. So go ahead and pull it out. Go on, go and pull it out. Pull it out. Pull out the card in front of you. Now I know if you're visiting, then you get involved in your church back home. And if you don't have a church back home, you need to find one. And if there isn't one, then you join us online. Begin to gather people. Contact me. We'll plant one in your town. Oh, I'm not joking. I'm totally serious. <laughs> Takes a little bit. Takes a little while to do that. Sometimes faster than others. We got 20 people meeting in Montana. 20 people. 20 people on a Sunday morning meeting somebody. They don't have a pastor. They need a pastor. Praying, strategizing. Get the card out. Fill it out. You can do it online, right? You can do it. We've got, we've got an app. You've got a website you can go to. You said, well, really? Yeah, get plugged in. You can do something. Let me finish this scripture. Verse 37. Thus the saying, one sows and the other reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. This is a word from the Lord for me and for this church. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. There is coming a massive outpouring of the Spirit. You say, is this it? Maybe, but I think there's more. Our building's just on time. We need space. Invite people. You come Friday night. Come expecting, and there'll be signs, wonders, and miracles. You get involved in the harvest. Come on, stand up on your feet all across this place. Lift your hands to heaven and say, Lord, open my eyes. Come on, say, open my eyes. Come on, tell the Lord, open my eyes. If you can't see, you don't have vision. You need vision. Lord, open my eyes. Open my eyes tonight. Open my eyes to the harvest. Open my eyes to my involvement. But you can use the likes of me. Come on, tell them. You can use me. You can use me, Lord. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes to Eagle River. Find the building now. Find it. I believe there will be another transition place. I believe the Lord showed this to me over Eagle River, our extension there. There'll be another transition place. And then after that, I think we're going to probably build something. We'll see. We have a prophetic word from Jane Hammond about that. But I believe there's another building that we can transition. you got to get on the ground floor. we got to eliminate the stairs. We need another place. You've outgrown that place. You've outgrown that place and dwelt there even long enough. Begin to pray. Begin to decree it. Look for it. Watch it open. And, uh, and even the even possibility of a church building. I just felt that right now. So you, you look, all right? You look. Father, we agree. Come on, agree for Eagle River. We agree right now. Eagle River's having a move of God. That which is taking place here is taking place there. It's the same thing. God, we pray. Release the building. Perfect timing. Give us a heart. Give us a harvest in the name of Jesus of labors and workers and souls for the glory of God. Come on, pray in the spirit all across this place if you have that freedom. Come on. Hallelujah. Pray for the harvest now. Come on, we pray for souls. We pray for souls tonight. Our families, every single one of our families coming into the house of God, whether it's here or in some other place. 
Lord, bring our families in. Release divine appointments for us and for them. Release divine appointments, God. Give us souls. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Set the captives free. Tonight, in the name of Jesus, I break off the lie upon your people that says, I can't because I went to penitentiary. I can't because of my I can't because of my ethnicity. I can't because I don't have any I don't have any education. I don't have any money. All of that are a bunch of lies from the devil. He'll come with a lift as long as you're arm. They're all lies from hell. You're Come on, you're called by God. You're chosen by God, John 15. Those of you that have been battling thoughts of, of, uh, of just feeling lack of worth, get out from where you are and come and have the power of the Holy Ghost just touch you right now. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. Lift your hands. And as you do, the power of God. Come from God. Now's the time, not later, right now. Come, lift your hands to heaven all across this place. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Fire in the Holy Ghost. You're the God of miracles. You're a prophet. God's called you to be a prophet. In the name of Jesus. Come on, it's all right. Come, lift your hands.
Holy Spirit. I have a word for you. I saw it from the time I began to preach. I looked over at you and I heard a number of things. I want to tell a story to you first. My brother Chris is here somewhere. And we used to play this game where you would throw a tennis ball off the roof and, you know, you'd call the guy's name and they'd throw it up and they'd go, Danny, that's what they used to call me. And then it'd be my turn to catch it. It would hit the gutter and you have to catch it. You know, and if you, it was out. I think it was called out. And there was occasions where it got hung up in the gutter and um, that would be a do-over. So if they called your name and it got, it stopped at the gutter, then it'd be like, oh yeah, do-over, do-over. You, you didn't get a point for that. The Lord wants you to know that the enemy is so worked to try to shut down the call of God in your life and have given uh, even instances and, uh, and reasons to, to affirm his lie. There's even been some that have come to confirm to you, oh yeah, yeah. I've come to say this from the Lord. That which you have just walked through is behind you. And the power of the Holy Spirit is upon you. For I've called you to be a leader. I've anointed you. And I'm putting my fire upon you. I saw provision coming to you for schooling. I saw provision coming for you. I saw the dream. And tonight, in the name of Jesus, lift your hands, sweetheart. Tonight, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every single attack. I break the hold of every lying devil, you foul, ugly thing. I break your hold off of this anointed princess of heaven, a princess of the Lord. I pray now in the name of from that, free from accusation, free. I believe in you, I believe in you, you're the God of miracles. I believe in you, Lord. I believe in you. pastors and ministers, go for it. I believe in you, you're the God of perhaps online on 1610 a.m. on the internet all over the world and you've never given your heart to Jesus this is your moment this is your time give your heart to Christ if you've never made a decision to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior do it tonight do it do it now don't hesitate don't wait that's the first step you say well I, I gave my heart to Jesus before, but I'm not living right for God. That's a common thing that happens. It's a common thing that happens. Give your life to Jesus tonight afresh and anew. Recommit your life to the Lord. You're not as on fire as you used to be. Got some news. So sorry. God doesn't change. We're the ones that change. If you're not as on fire as you used to be, it's not his fault. You have to continually come to him. Continually pray continually 
live a lifestyle of repentance and get involved. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time online, in here, here in the sanctuary, or you want to recommit your life because you've drifted away from the Lord. You want to come home tonight. Or number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation. You're not sure the devil lies to you. If you fit in any of those categories, every head bowed, intercessors praying, you want to, you fit in any of those categories, give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Number two, make a recommitment because you drifted away. You want to come home tonight. Want to recommit your life to the Lord. And number three, you just want to be assured of your salvation all across this place, those online, those listening in the future by podcast, YouTube, or whatever media means. You say, that's me. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Do it now. All across this place, raise your hand. You fit in those categories. God bless you. Right on. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you online. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. What the God bless you. All the way in the back. In the lobby. God bless you. All right. If you raise your hand and you main business with God. <laughs> hey, look at that. Well, I think it's prophetic. The Lord is changing things. All right. You lead, 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 lead. I want. I just like that. You raised your hand, or you didn't, all across this place. Step out from where you are. Come to the front right now. Come now. Don't come later. Come now. Come on, come meet me right here. There's others coming with you. Come, come. You raised your hand or you didn't. Come on, don't make me come get you. I saw your hands. I know where you are. Come on. Meet me right here. Do I have to? I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. But there's something about giving your life to Jesus in front of everybody. Because Jesus said this. Listen, come on. Some of you need to get up here. Embarrass that thing. And say, yeah, I'm going to live for God. Jesus said, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me, I will deny you. One more moment and then we'll move on. All right. All right. Come on. Receive Jesus right now. Pray this after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Come on. Do I have to say it out loud? Yes. It is. You do. Because it's a that's the, that's the model. He said, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth unto salvation. Let's try that again. Dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me and to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. I'm sorry. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. for hearing my prayer. Amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.